having a cat. So I have one. I itch all the time. <laughs> no. So I don't think it's good. Like I'm fostering, and I every like every time I pet him, his drool. He drools when he gets oh. cat. So excited that itches, and then when he needs, he needs on me all the time. That uh-huh. itches. The worst is like when my my nose, eyes, and ears itch. I, I was just trying to like. Not be as lonely and like have like what do they call it? Uh, productive, positive coping mechanisms. Yeah, I don't and think it's also work out. you know, like a little friend that hangs around at your house and and is happy to see you and stuff. And shits on your table. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you think it's related at all? I mean, is it is it a specific cat, or do you think it's cat all cats? The first cat I had, I itched with her too, and this one is much of the same. So the first one was long haired, and I've mm-hmm. realized I don't like long haired cats because I'm never quite sure that when they shit, that there is like no more shit in their area because it's a long haired cat. <laughs> and apparently, I really do like like my husband's cat is a short haired black cat. And he always, you know, they show you their butthole. And it was always, like, good to know, like, you can't help but notice that like, their butthole is clean. And I like that. For, Problematic. For what, it's, for what it's worth, my cat is long-haired and I can't see its butthole. It's season two, and this episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on January 26, 2021. Tonight on It Will Probably Be Okay, we're launching our second season and talking about ingenuity. What is it? How does it? When do you? And what does that got to do with it? Hey, back off, man. I'm a scientist. Join me and these two other Ghostbusters in a protracted conversation about all the reasons that we got thrown out of this dump. Hey, guess what? We're back. I'm Gabe Wallenberg. Bustin' makes me feel good. I'm the Kenji, and I'm just tired. I'm Nick, and I'm ready to rock. Excellent. So, for mini topics, I've got a mini topic I want to start with. And... It has to do with the fact that I went off on this Ghostbusters tangent in the intro. And it makes me ask, basically, I'm going to ask three Ghostbusters-related questions. Two of them are discussions. And one of those is the one of those questions that you don't need to answer. And there's a word for those. Does anybody remember what that word is? Rhetorical question? That's right. It was a rhetorical question. So... <laughs> I appreciate that, though. (laughs) That was cheap. Anyway, so yeah, I'm going to let you pick the rhetorical one of these three questions. Ready? First one. Is Ghostbusters 2 the best and worst film in the Ghostbusters franchise? Two. Who are those Ghostbusters Legos really for? And three... Will that sequel, the real one, the third one that they keep talking about and delaying, is it ever going to come out? So which two of those are the real there questions? Be three? There were three of them. What? what? There's the Ghostbusters 2 is the best. 
who are the Legos really for? And will the third one ever actually come out? No, that was not... No, like, genuinely, there's supposed to be three. I only know of, like, the first one and then, like... Those oh, I thought you were one. counting the questions. Yeah, yeah, oh. no. <laughs> so... Wow, we are uh, hitting on all the cylinders, aren't we? So I'm going to look it up. It's not Answer the Call. That was the remake that is non-canon that made all of the Proud Boys mad. Like, if we could have just seen it in the then, if we would have known America objected to Lady Ghostbusters the way they objected to freedom and voting, we could have predicted how the Proud Boys would have worked. But no, there is a third canonical ghostbusters movie it's called ghostbusters afterlife that's what it's called oh no the one where the, in the clip they're driving in the field yeah yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. Is, that came out no that's the oh. problem is it hasn't it hasn't come out it was supposed to come out last july and now it's not coming out till november of 2021 it's a movie that's done and in the can wow and has been now for a long time. And it's a canonical sequel to one of the films that I hold like on a pedestal as precious and dear. And I just want to know when this third one's... Can we just pull the trigger on the third one so that I can be as disappointed with it as I was with the third Bill and Ted movie? <laughs> Can we just get it over? Yeah, you're definitely going to be. You'll definitely be there. You'll definitely be disappointed. No so, doubt about it. To answer your question, though, I think the Legos question is the rhetorical one. <laughs> Excellent. Nick, do you have a preference for which is the rhetorical question? I, I feel like the rhetorical question has to be the question about. Well, or I, I feel like it has to be the question about. Ghostbusters 2 being the best and worst because it just seems like that that's not possible. Right, and there's nowhere to go with that. You are correct. You identified the rhetorical question. <laughs> the rhetorical question is how you get extra opinions shoehorned into lists of questions. That's how you use rhetorical questions. I'm pretty sure I saw that on a, on a TED Talk once. But the Lego one, just real quick. I was at the store and and this was maybe pre-pandemic, I don't remember, but like I just happened to glance at the Lego aisle because I was over there for some dumb reason by the kids' toys. And in between the Paw Patrol and the Squishimals, there was a Lego set that was branded with the original Ghostbusters characters. So like Rick Moranis and and Dan Aykroyd and 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 Bill Murray as young people, but in their cute Lego form. I asked guy at the time i said guy who is that on there and she's well it's ghostbusters and i said yeah but why do you know that and she goes well because because uh, you're my dad and i said do you do you think any of your other friends would know that and she just snorted because she's 15 and kind of post legos so let's just say eight let's say eight would you say eight's the the golden era for legos eight's eight's like peak lego yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I kept going with my Legos, in, in as I got into my uh, teens, even because I was big into well, you, them. Yeah, and you, well, you go into my, and you go the, and boy, you were in the like the. You want to talk about peak Lego? You were in the era when like yeah, finally licensed yeah. Legos were finally becoming a thing. But like, 
if these Legos had come out when I graduated high school, which was 1992, they still would have been 10 years too late. Yeah, right, right. right yeah. So who definitely. are these Legos for? They, they are, I, I will tell you who they're for. They are for dads that were that grew up as Ghostbusters fans. And there's nothing that, you know, I feel like dads like more than getting their kids to like stuff that they liked. So this is for dads to help introduce their children to Ghostbusters and for dads themselves to get to play with those Ghostbusters Legos. But I'm I'm 45 years old, 46 years old. I was in fifth grade when Ghostbusters came out. My child, you're saying that those are for me, but my child is 15 years old. Most people who have children who are my age have 20-year-old children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm only saying this because I grew up as a big Ghostbusters fan. I love Ghostbusters. And now the idea when my boys are old enough to get them like the Ghostbusters set, the, I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Are you going to ma- let them watch the movie with the weird ghost blowjob and everything? Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I don't know. Like the movie hasn't aged well, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, so ba- based on what sh- what you just uh, talked about, Gabe, I had a mini topic that I was going to do, but but I'm going to reserve that one for next time, and I'm going to share a Lego opinion. Cool. So I guess I'll say my mini topic today is actually something that you just mentioned. I am not a fan of the licensed product Legos. Mm. not a fan at all like i well, liked the just like the space guy legos the the people in the town legos i liked all that i, I felt like that playing with those characters helped develop my imagination and what i kind of hate about all these licensed legos is they're creating you know they're putting these Legos out of these different universes, which all have all these different rules. And I feel like in a way it kind of stifles creativity a little bit. But it does encourage compartmentalization and sorting, which (laughs) let's be honest, when our children reach the factory age, that's exactly what they want from us. (laughs) That is an excellent point. That's the system working as designed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think I had this realization, I guess I would say like shortly after I became an adult and I walked down the Lego aisle one, one day at probably Target or something. And I, and I realized like all the Legos were licensed and it wasn't like that when I was growing up. They were all, you know, Harry Potter characters or X-Men or X-Men or uh, yeah, I I know I had at least one like sure uh, uh, Robin Hood set that was not licensed. Was yes, just, like, this I, oh cool yes, I had that one. one too. Yeah, that was a great one. But yeah, the classic Lego. Like, I mean, here's the here's the thing though. If you now you can actually go to the mall. At least well, you could when malls were a thing. You could go to, and they had like a whole store where you could make a minifig of you. Yeah, yeah. Like from from parts, could you imagine? Could you? I mean, is that even? A, could you, like, I didn't like putting my hands in those little buckets of filth to pick out parts <laughs> to begin with. I can't imagine doing it today. Well, now I, I feel like Legos are are a little bit like you know like we as the 
you know, the first couple generations that played with them, you know, now it's like, we still like them. So I don't know if you saw like the show Lego masters or whatever that was on like regular television. So I think Legos are kind of getting hot again. I know a boy, his name is Zach. He loves to fit. He loves to stack. Yes, construction is his knack. He's Zach, the Lego man. So my mini topic is, uh, let me just be honest, I don't have a mini topic. My mini topic is that life is progressing and it feels like nothing is happening. And every time I try to do something and learn something new, I just get, I I am so finicky and persnickety. I don't know if anybody saw my Instagram posts. With the candles. We made them together over Zoom. And I was like, well, fuck it. Like, I can do some product photography shots, you know? And it worked out. It wasn't too frustrating. When I'm doing stuff like this, I have to, like, chant to myself, Mackenzie, you're learning how to do something. It's not going to be perfect. And, like, I I have to repeat that every two minutes because, like, (laughs) you see, it's, like, the flash is not work and I'm trying to figure it out. I was like, Nakenji, you don't do this every day. You're learning something new. Nakenji, it's fine. Nakenji, it doesn't have to be perfect. Nakenji, you're learning. Usually, Nakenji, you're learning gets my brain to calm down about the lack of perfection. But when I was editing the photos, I get so agitated when I see imperfections, which is usually what prevents me from doing new things because it's not calming at all. When people talk about doing their hobbies and relaxing, I'm like, (laughs) that shit is not relaxing. All I can think of is like the fucking fuck ups I'm I'm doing. It's not (laughs) relaxing to me. (laughs) Like what? And so like, what do you do to relax in life? I I literally, I, I like eating. And I like watching TV, but even that can be fraught with with frustration because, like, if you can't find a good show, like, you're fucked. Like, how do you relax in a pandemic where you can't, like, do shit? I I don't – I mean, I I don't think anyone relaxes. I I, I think that's the problem. (laughs) Everyone pretends like they do, though. They're like, oh, this is story. I'll tell you, I, I, I walk the dog. That's good. I used to meditate. Heavy on the used to. That seems difficult. (laughs) Because what happened was Jenny got the VR headset, and it comes with a really fancy uh, meditation application. And uh, now I feel like I can't meditate unless I go put on my expensive meditation hat. (laughs) So now I don't meditate, and I don't relax, but I do keep that headset charged at all times. Thanks, Oculus. Thanks, Facebook. <laughs> another another nightmare brought to you by Facebook. You know, seriously, like you want to talk about dystopian future? I sometimes put on my special TV hat to sit in a pretend theater with strangers who won't shut up and watch old reruns of Star Trek. I wish I was kidding. Like that's so, Nakenji. I'm not going to be able to give you good advice on relaxing. I can tell you this, I've clicked so many blocks now in Minecraft that I can do it and fall asleep at the same time. (laughs) I would love, I would love that because I be in bed ready to fall asleep and sleep just, just won't take me. It just won't take me. Oh, I'm doing sleep stories on the call map. 
I mean, they're not a sponsor or anything. Um, <laughs> I don't know because the stories always put me out. So it works perfectly. Is it because like, they're boring? Damn. Yeah. They're so boring. Uh, like you put those on and you're like, hey, I'm Matthew McConaughey and I'm going to talk about driving the train and I'm out. Like, it's out. I'm done. What's it called? Um, it's an app called Calm, C-A-L-M. Well, hello there. I'm Matthew McConaughey, and tonight I'll be reading a special sleep story called Wonder. You want to know what my true mini topic is? So a Friday ago, I wake up, check my email. I see that I have like 20 or more notices from USPS click and ship saying your order has been received. I'm like, I... I, I didn't do this. I didn't have an order. So I, I go to my, I go to my account. I'll just, cause the only reason I have an account, it was so that I could have my mail sent to me. And I see that there are at least a hundred click and chip orders for about a thousand dollars worth. And I immediately am like, is there a credit card attached to this account? I didn't think I put it, put one. I check. There's no card. But I'm like, what mastermind is going to use an account <laughs> to then ship it with their own card? That doesn't make any sense. So I'm calling. First, I call. They tell me, oh, you need to talk to this this group. Then I call them, and I have to wait an hour until they call back. And when they do call back, the person tells me, oh, you need to call this number. And I'm like, ma'am, I called that number, <laughs> and they said that I needed to talk to this number, the one that you're calling back through. <sighs> then she transfers me to a guy who needs me to log into my account. One of the security questions is, what is your favorite holiday? I am like, sir, <laughs> are there other options? I can't fucking answer that. I don't know what I guessed, what I made up. I don't have a fucking favorite holiday. And like, they didn't have very many options for, for security questions. And he was like, well, I can't help you because like you need to be able to answer that second security question. I was fucking livid. <laughs> There's a recorded note there of me just like swearing up a storm. And he did what he had to do and transferred me while I was mid-statement. And I got so many outs. And while I was on hold, I just started screaming because I was so fucking frustrated. Like, I'm sure my neighbors thought I was being murdered. But I was screaming because y'all not fucking helping me, but y'all playing phone tag. And every time it happens, you know, you have to reintroduce what the problem is and they they want to know what your name is. So this last oh, person, God. okay, ma'am, like, let me not do all of that. Just let me know if you can help me because otherwise just transfer me and let me fucking go about my day because this is not working out. Me going into detail is not helpful. Is this what, you, am I with the right person? And so eventually she was able to like walk me through rejecting it and then submitting a, a fraud, mail fraud thing online and then this week i got an email saying oh well yeah all the things i canceled got refunded i don't know who it got refunded to but just in case it's a credit card <laughs> to me out there i don't have to find out that oh shit you owe a thousand dollars to the usps but then i got an email from them saying well you know what these orders have already been sent through and so your refund has been unrefunded and you need to like <laughs> send us some information if this is incorrect and I, I'm trying to log into the account because I have to change my password. I can't access it. 
like my password works when I log in on my laptop, but when I go from the email and I click on the, the link that they say you need to go to to submit or whatever, whatever, it doesn't work. So <clears throat> I have decided that I will archive that conversation and if it comes up again, I will deal with it. But in the meantime, apparently USBS thinks that I owe them money and We'll just see how long this plays out. I always feel bad for those people because it seems like they so desperately want to help you, but the bureaucracy and the red tape of whatever organizations they work for make it impossible for them to do so. I mean, that's both true and not true because, okay, it's true. And how that plays out is it seems like they're literally reading a script and they cannot deviate. And I mean, it's great for y'all, but it's terrible for me when I'm on my fourth and fifth person. Like, I don't want to know how your day is going. I am not going to be kind and considerate and careful with you. <laughs> I don't want to give you my name and my fucking information. Because for, for all I fucking know, I'm going to have to repeat this three more times. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm. Mm. I, I'm kind of a big fan of Arbor Day. <laughs> I don't um, get it. It's a holiday. Yeah, it's my it's favorite, favorite holiday. holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that would be an option. <laughs> I, I I used to work at a fruit based computer company. <laughs> And they, when you call the fruit-based computer company, they they make you talk to a robot, and the robot makes you say your name and enter your serial numbers, mm. and then you'll get. And then when you call, and then you get routed to somebody in their house who's taking these calls, and that person won't have any access to the information you just gave to the robot. That drives me up a fucking bridge. Like, why did I do all of this? So here's the, the, the man who answered the phone in his house, whose family is having a nice dinner and he has to work, he doesn't like it any more than you do. <laughs> Just for fail. the record. Like, he was set up to fail. He was, he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think your strategy is right, though, Nakemji. I, I was just thinking about this the other day because I'm uh, dealing with internet companies, and I think like when when they start to ask you questions, you just got to be like, "No, let me give you the shortest synopsis of the situation I can, and then you tell me if you can help or if we need to escort." <laughs> Like yeah. I don't want to answer any of your questions. Like I'm not. I'm gonna tell you what you need to know, and then you're you're gonna to need to tell me if you can help or push me out to someone who can. <laughs> so, I had set aside today an idea of talking about ingenuity. And the reason I picked ingenuity is I told a story at school the other day when we were introducing this as our quarterly theme. It's complicated. Don't I don't really want to explain. But the short version is so like we're supposed to be working with this idea of ingenuity because apparently juniors in high school now is the time we're time we're finally going to encourage them to think creative. And <laughs> you know, you got a year left. It's halfway through the first year, the last the year. Like let's let's talk about thinking outside the box. And 
it's actually one of my favorite units because it gets the closest that I get throughout the year to talking about the connection between creativity and execution, right? You guys, when we all work together, you guys know this, like, like if you needed 50 dumb ideas, we would sit down in a room and generate 50 dumb ideas and four of them would be great. Right? Yeah. Like, like we could be like, I don't know what we're going to do here. Let's make, let's have, let's have a conversation, make a list of 50 dumb ideas, and then we'll pick the best two and then maybe draw some fake charts and call it a day. And that seems to be a thing that the kids have no idea how to do. Seriously? Yeah. Like, like even the idea of give me, like, there's a few kids who might be able to do the, do you guys know the, the paperclip exercise? You hand them a paperclip and you're like, tell me what else you can do with this. Like, what are other uses besides holding paper? You have a minute Lock to just pick. come up with as many as you can. Lockpick? Good. What happens is most kids can come up with five, eight. Uh, people who are really good at it can come up with 20. And then there's one kid who like just doesn't stop writing until he has 130 of them written down. And, <laughs> and like that, that's the kid I want to hire. Like, are like, yes, you're going to come work for me because he's the one, this is this, he's, this is the one kid who gets that. It doesn't matter if they're good ideas, as long as they're ideas. And so this unit lets us talk about the connection then between having ideas and then having ideas that are any good, <laughs> right? Ingenuity is the, uh, is the ability to figure out out of all the ideas you had, which two are the ones you want to try. And I emphasize that with a conversation about another former employer who I can't name, but they're based in Verona and they share a, they are similarly named to the makers of Fortnite. They also have a weird sprawling campus with all kinds of art and castles. You can figure it out. And one of the things that they do at that place, at that company, is every month or so, at least they did when I worked there, every month or so, they, the, the head person, the, the lady in charge, has all 6,000 of her employees report in and go into their space dome and sit in a in a space dome theater while she gives an, an hour-long TED talk about whatever she's interested in that day. <laughs> there might have been more to it. I don't know. I wasn't real successful there. But <laughs> the the point is every single month there were slides that would run across in the pregame, right? You'd get there at a half an hour early, then she'd be 10 minutes late, and there'd be a slideshow going on. And there was always one slide that would retell the apocryphal space pen story. You guys know the apocryphal space pen story? I don't think I do. I think I do. Okay, so it's the story where, and you've heard it, I'm sure, once I tell it, Nikenji, that in, you know, in the heart of the space race in the 60s, there was, you know, oh. everybody was working as hard as they could to to be the first people <laughs> to put 
first country to put people on the moon, right? And and NASA allegedly spent bajillions of dollars developing a pen that can write in zero gravity so that they would have the ability to write in space and the Russians used a pencil. <laughs> And like, so this is this great little story, right? About like using resources at hand and solving the problem. That story is completely untrue. Like that is absolutely in no way ever true. What, what really happened was before like 1962 or so, both the Russians and NASA used pencils in space. And then the general accounting office was like, hey, NASA, why are you spending $1,300 a pencil? Like, what's going on there? And they said, okay, well, we'll try to see if we can do it for cheaper. And at, there was a guy created this pen that was nitrogen-based. And he's like, hey, I have these. I'll sell you these for a buck and a half a pen. They sold NASA a pen for considerably less than they were buying pencils for. But more importantly, the NASA space pen wasn't made of wood and couldn't catch on fire and didn't have graphite that would float around and get into things. So the Russians quit using the pencils, too. <laughs> okay? Now, take a deep breath. Imagine the first time that slide came up in a room filled with 6,000 space nerds. You mean the myth or the truth? The like myth the story, is presented, or? the myth is presented up there as something we're all supposed to take some knowledge from. <laughs> and oh, 6,000, <laughs> 6,000 angry nerds suddenly get out there let's see it this is their iphone 3gs's and they start tapping in angry emails explaining this is apocryphal you're making engineers look stupid and wasteful like and so the next month the same slide is up <laughs> but now they've added an asterisk to the bottom oh. and it says well, this isn't true, but the point still stands. It does not stand if it's not true. Oh, God. So 6,000 nerds say, no, no, it's not true. It can't stand. <laughs> so the third month, the CEO is up on stage. And she's got her hands in her pocket, and she's doing her cool TED Talk. And she doubles down. I'm just trying to teach this lesson about the pencils. Oh, Jesus Christ. And the room is quiet. And that moment, as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, ingenuity doesn't do you any good. Creativity can't, can't help you unless you're willing to change without a willingness to try without the opportunity or the willingness to accept that things could be different than how you understand them at the moment. And so when I teach this to kids, they spend a good 10 minutes trying to guess what company it was. 
and then they're bored and go back on their phones. But at some point, one or two of them, I think, was interested in the pencil part of the story. But I do feel like that's an important conversation. So that's why I'm bringing it out for you guys here. And then this is where occasionally one or two of the kids will jump on with me. Like, what is the cost or what is the gateway to ingenuity? How do you make ingenuity and creativity abundant in your life? How does that, you know what I mean? Because it's easy to, to hold your hand up and say, ha ha, I create. But like, is it? Yeah. That, that one wasn't rhetorical. It wasn't rhetorical? That one wasn't rhetorical, no. Oh, it seemed like a, a dramatic pause. <laughs> I mean, I, I, th I think... I think you have to be really deliberate about it if you want to do it. And I think, you know, the, the people that you see that are successful are the people who have the creativity to come up with the, the hundred ideas and the ingenuity to know which two are worthwhile. I mean, it, you know, the person that comes with a hundred ideas is going to have a much greater probability of, coming up with the best idea than somebody who could only muster two ideas. But I think it's very intentional if you want to nail that. I feel like you can train a person to whittle down ideas to the best one, but I don't know that you can necessarily train a person. And this is me telling on myself, though, because I feel... Like, when you mentioned the paperclip idea, right, Gabe? I am constantly on myself as a human being. Like, when people say, oh, my gosh, Nikenji, that was so creative. I'm like, no. What I'm good at is, like, I research a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And when I start seeing the same information again, I'm like, okay, good. And then I decide what I'm going to do. I am not a person who just comes up with an idea unbidden. Like, I'm not that person. Mm. So I recognize that about myself, and I'm really appreciated for people that can come up with, with 100 ideas. I do think I'd be more than, like, five, but I don't think there's, like, this, this uh, ingenuity tests I, I guess where there was like something to do with like these four objects and you had to figure out how to arrange them in a way to stick the candle on the the wall or some 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 semi dimmy like that i'm like i struggle with seeing objects beyond what they were prescribed for just like a month ago someone tweeted you guys know that you can use face products that you don't want to use anymore you can use it on your body and I was like, shit, you're right. Because it never crossed my mind <laughs> that all these facial products that I'm just like, eh, eh. I can just use them on my freaking skin. And so I'm definitely one of those people, like, when I recognize it, I, I try to do better. But I feel like there are a lot of people out there that don't even recognize it about themselves. But I'll be like, oh, you, to you told me that the a paperclip is meant for paper? my options are now all paper-based and it takes a lot of work to then expand it into the possibilities of the object the paper clip is made of you have to think of it as in like what would you do with this piece of metal but if you tell me this is a paper clip my brain immediately is just like paper clip ideas paper clip ideas paper clip ideas paper clip ideas and then yep. and and That's here's it. the worst part here's the worst part then yeah so you might be able to get to 10 or 15 going okay what else can we do with the metal 
but like the real challenge of lateral thinking, right, or outside the box thinking is what if the paperclip was 600 feet tall and made of concrete? Then what could we do with it? Right? Like, and, and I always tell the kids, like, that's a muscle. Okay. That is a thing you can learn to do. Like painters learn to paint. There are people who are naturally good at it. And then there are people who learn how to do it. And then there are people who are genuinely savantish, right? Who'd be like, no, when I look at a paperclip and like, that's, that's like, when I look at a paperclip, I see the world of possibilities. <laughs> like, and the, I guess that's where I was kind of going with this cost of ingenuity idea, right? Like someone who can't focus on what the paperclip is for is, I think, as at a loss or at a disadvantage as the person who can't get past that. You, It is in the name. It says paper and it says <laughs> Right? I think both of those are... Um, the two ends of that, that idea. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. I would never use face products on my hands. My hands aren't made out of my face. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Don't be crazy. It says face right on it. Uh, but what I, what I, what I then I'd like to wrap up with, with these guys is I then tell them another story. I tell the story about my first, during college, I had during my first summer off of college, I had a summer job at a box factory <laughs> a corrugated a corrugated board manufacturer and it was actually a packaging company they didn't make the corrugated it came in in huge bundles and then the company would print things on it and bend it and make holes in it depending on what the customers wanted right and one of their primary products in the spring and in the fall were chick boxes, which are little cardboard boxes that baby chickens come in when you mail them to each other. Mm. Just like I did this spring, right? <laughs> so I used to make those boxes. And making those boxes is nightmarishly dull. The first thing you do is you take a flat piece of cardboard, you put it on a machine with a die, which is like a special sort of cutter that then pushes it through a roller that flattens it on the die that cuts the cardboard. And then you put it on the stack and you wait. And then when you got 50 of those, another guy comes along and he uh, takes the edges off of that and throws those in the garbage. But the thing about chick boxes is that they have little holes in them like so that the chicks don't die and stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you have to poke those little holes out with your finger or a screwdriver. So you're holding like an 11 by 17 sheet of paper that you have to poke out uh, 25 to 50 little cardboard chips out with a ruler or a pencil or your finger. And all the while, because you're a college kid with soft hands, who's never worked a day in his life, the cardboard is cutting your fingers and yeah, shredding. Oh. Yep. So like these poor chick farmers are getting blood contaminated chick boxes. <laughs> and and then and the young man is coming home with pockets of cardboard chips he doesn't know where come from or what to do with. <laughs> and across the room, there's a guy who's probably cut his fingers off one too many times. Like he's only got nine fingers. This is a real man. He's only got nine fingers, but it isn't like he, it isn't like he, huh? Well, here's the thing. 
Yeah, here's the thing. He's still got nine fingers, but he's cut his finger off at least three times. <laughs> right? He's a nice guy, but he's sitting there over in the corner, and he's got a board, and he's got a screwdriver, and he's got some glue, and he's building this little dowel rod based thing with the die that when you put the cardboard down on it and push it down, the dowels come up through the holes mm. and you don't have to poke out one at a time. You can poke out an entire sheet's worth at once. And I looked at it, I said, hey, how come, how come, where, where did you get that idea? And he's like, well, I just hadn't made one yet, but I usually make them for each new order. And I said, well, that's really great. Like, and I tell the kids, like, that's on ingenuity, right? Like, that's, that's brilliant. You looked at the problem, you, you thought outside the idea of poking a hole one at a time. You took away the idea that you can only have five fingers. Now you've got 30 fingers on a board. You, instead of thinking about holding the board, you thought about pushing the board, right? All of these lateral thoughts. And he hadn't done it yet. And he let me sit there poking it. Because without the ingenuity, if I had stopped to do be ingenious, the chick boxes would not have been being made. <laughs> Doing it efficiently is not the metric we are compensated for. Mm. That, I think, is the cost of ingenuity. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. that, that is a great point. Yeah, so there I, uh, are a million better ways to do it, and people you work for know better ways to do it, but they'll get to it when they have time. I, I get it. It's just, I, and the kids look at me and they're like, huh, "You said chicks," and then they go back to their phones. <laughs> so that's that's ingenuity. I think you guys have any final thoughts on ingenuity? My final thoughts are, I wish, like, I wish I could get the prize without having to do the hard work. Is that just genius, then? It's either genius or nepotism, one or the other, usually. <laughs> like, I want the brilliant idea, but without having to, like, slog through the bullshit and then be like, there's a better way to do this. I'd like to be a retired senator, but I don't want to run. <laughs> Why would you even <laughs> you know, run I don't want, for yourself? I don't want to hold office. Well, they have a really good retirement package, but I don't want to hold office. You know, you don't want to be Jeff Bezos. I just feel like hi, I Jeff. should be able to. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I'd love to be Jeff. I don't know. I mean, to me, when I think of like true ingenuity, uh, I think that that's like something that's very rare. And and if you're not born with it, it it's an impossible task to train yourself to do it. And I wish I was ingenious. I think I'm ingenious infrequently. Like every like once a year, I feel like I come up with a truly ingenious idea but then there's always that barrier can you execute on it well and ultimately like if you're waiting for the good idea 
there are a hundred dumb ideas that you don't give birth to. Mm. And for me, I'm really a dumb idea champion. (laughs) (laughs) I have an unfathomable ability to an un, what do they call it? An unbreakable ability to generate dumb ideas. (laughs) I, I, I do though. I feel like, I feel like, especially Gabe, once you and I started working together, like I realized like that the dumb idea time is just, it's kind of like a warm, like a mind warm up. Like you're kind of just warming up your brain. Yeah. No one's really going to learn this lesson from this time. Although like the lesson is, is really obvious. Like your, your work should be productivity based, not time based. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if, if, if they know what job that they want to have done and you can get it done in, in X amount of hours, like, why should you have to pretend that you're working for another X amount of hours? (laughs) For morale. (laughs) For morale. Because it's not fair. If Gina's too stupid to figure it out, (laughs) it takes her an hour. Then... I mean, that's the thing, like, like we, as much as we try to pretend like things are merit based, like they're not because like it, because it takes Gina four hours to do her job. I have to stay for the extra three hours that like I would have already been done. Come on, Gina, get it together. Gina, come on. Oh, and with, oh, poor Gina, with that, let's, let's take a moment to, to stop and reflect on those things that we think that we've learned. What did we learn today? Well, a couple of things. First of all, they're not Legos, they're Lego brand bricks. There's no such thing as a Legos. (laughs) Nikenji doesn't know what her favorite holiday is. (laughs) Number three, we learned that you have to be deliberate about it if you want to do it intentionally, which I think is a good t-shirt because it says everything and nothing all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, true integrity. Maybe you're born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) And then finally, Finally, Gina is going to be so pissed when this episode comes out, you guys. But Gina, if you try a little harder and you take a little time, and as Stephen Covey has taught us, set aside time every week to sharpen that saw and take a look at your compass and figure out what your big rocks are and what your little rocks are. If you get all of those things done, Gina, it'll probably be okay. Covey on yeah, that. that was I was making kids watch that <laughs> Oh, I had to do that for my job. <laughs> They've updated some things. I gotta break them in. So here, you guys gotta watch this guy who might be a vampire. <laughs>